0: Kyle Field. Yeah. We have some Aggies in the house. I know you're a little depressed this morning, so I'm sorry for opening this wound. But, um, but I want to praise you because I've been to a lot of stadiums around the SEC, and last night was the, by far the best experience we've ever had outside of our home stadium. Uh, the fans at uh, Texas A&M are some of the friendliest, nicest, unbelievable people we've ever met, and it was just awesome. But I'll tell you, it was, it was a little strange. Um, I mean, I've, I've been in Texas for a month now. I've never seen anything like this. We get there, there's people dressed in full uniform. They're shooting cannons at us. Uh, they're carrying, you know, lightsabers. I mean, swords. Um, uh, you know, it's uh, they're marching and they're calling out these chants that I've never heard. Um, and uh, we walk through this one building. You have to take your hat off, and if you don't, they tell you to take your hat off. Uh, it's a memorial. It's a really special thing, but it's a really neat thing. Um, We get into the game, and uh, there's these guys on the field yelling at us and doing strange positions. I don't know what they are. And uh, everyone else knows what they are. Uh, I didn't know what they were. And uh, it's kind of crazy, and they start singing these songs I've never heard, but everybody else knows the songs. And at some point, they're all, like, joined arm in arm, and they're swaying left to right. Have you experienced this? Uh, it's a bit bizarre if you're an outsider and we're standing up just so we're not too out of place. Although our orange and blue colors give us off a little bit and like literally we're in the upper deck and the concrete beneath our feet is swaying with them. At this point, I'm nervous. (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) uh, this could be the end of it for me. So, uh, we start praying and it's, uh, it's a little bit insane and, um, the house was rocking. There are people, not just with their faces painted, but their bodies are painted. And it's cold, by the way. It's a little chilly and rainy out. They're half naked and painted in maroon and screaming as if the people on the field could hear them. And uh, it's just a bit crazy. I've been in Texas over a month. I haven't seen this kind of behavior anywhere. It's unreal. I don't know where these people are from or what's going on, but it was awesome. And it was, it might've been holy. I'm not sure. <laughs> it was, it, it could even be worship. I don't know about that, but it was crazy. Um, unreal. And I thought, I thought, you know, I've been here a month. I've been all over uh, the place, you know, visiting different things and seeing different sites, haven't seen this. And you know why? It's really simple. Location matters, Right. You know, if you're in the house this morning, you're an Aggie fan. You didn't walk in with your chest painted. Maybe you did, but you know, you have a shirt on. You know, uh, you don't you don't do this out in public. You only do this when you're in that location with these people around this event. It's it's awesome, but you do it because location matters. And if you were ever to come to our football stadium where where we worship, I mean, where we watch football, um, <laughs> you would see that we have our traditions too, and we do our things too. Because location matters. And this morning, this this is what I want you to think about. We've been talking about carry your name and the fact that how you carry the name you carry matters. We've talked about how God has a name and his name is Yahweh and we need to call him by his name. It's the most used name throughout scripture for 7,000 times he's called by name and yet we seldom use his name. We've talked about the fact that how Your name matters and and how you carry your own name matters because the name you carry uh, reflects the story that you tell to the people and to the world around you. And if at any point you've missed any of these uh, messages messages in the series, I'd encourage you to go back to the podcast, the website, the app, uh, listen, catch up so you can track with us. But this morning, what I want you to think about is that location matters and that where you carry, the name you carry matters. I I remember um, some of you have done mission work in Honduras. We saw some pictures on the screen. I remember my first mission trip uh, to Honduras. It was, it was many years ago, maybe like 2005, somewhere in there. Took a, a small team of students up into the mountains of a place called San Marcos, Honduras. And we traveled up these mountains and we saw poverty like we've never seen poverty. And we saw people in need like we've never seen people in need. And we get there and we realize that we are some of the first people they've ever seen from another country or another place or that didn't look like them who weren't carrying needles. Like normally if, if outsiders came to this village, they were doctors and nurses and they were there to provide healthcare or immunizations or something like that. We were the first person, people they'd ever seen like us that came in not, not with, with medical clinics, but just to, to spend time with them and to know them and to share with them the name Jesus. And what was really alarming and almost unbelievable and shocking, get this, some of those people had never, ever, ever in their entire life, heard the name Jesus. It wasn't like they had heard it before in a different form of religion or in a different context or a different story. It wasn't like they knew about, there's a group of people called Christians and and they do life this way in this part of the world. It was such a remote village and such a remote location high up in the mountains of Honduras that when we got there and we started telling them stories, about this man named Jesus, they were like, who? What? You've never heard? You've never heard the story? And can you imagine a group of teenagers in this environment? It's like Christmas. Oh, you won't believe this. One time he walked on water (laughs) and they're like lighting up. Like, are you kidding me? There was another time with just a few loaves and a few fish, he fed 5,000 people. You're telling these stories to people who have never heard the name. so They've never heard these stories for the first time. They're getting to hear the stories that you and I grew up with and their minds are blown, right? Unbelievable, unbelievable. And by the end of the week, we had over a thousand kids coming up to this village to do this VBS and this thing with us. And it was unreal. And I'll never forget some of the last nights we were there. Our little team gathered, just a really small team, 20 or 30 people. And, and we were talking and we we're like, you know, th- there is just no way. They're not going to remember our names. <laughs> you know, they have these Honduran names. We have these American names. They're not gonna remember our name. But may they never, ever, ever, ever forget this name, Jesus And it was was the first time in my life that these words that we're kind of sitting on and dwelling on these weeks from from Psalm 115, not to us, O Lord, not to us. It's got nothing to do with us. Take us out of the equation. But to your name goes all the glory. That's the name, that's the name. And you see, this is why today is so important because location matters to God. It's a big deal to God. His name is a bigger deal to him than it is to us. Can we just say that? His name is so important and he cares so much about it that he wants it to go into every location in every corner and every facet and every way and every heart and every person around the world. And he's given us the mission to carry that name and to do that work because location matters. And what's really, really, really cool, what's awesome, what's, what, what is holy, what is worship, is when the God of every location pulls together the people of God from different locations for the good of his church and the glory of his name. And that's why this morning, what I want to do, because uh, I could tell you a hundred stories from my life of how I've seen God on location and doing work in crazy ways, but I really wanted to share a Riverside story this morning. And so I want to invite uh, my friend, your friend, Miss uh, Peggy Taylor, to come up on stage. just want to have these stools here in case you're wondering. It's not in case I get tired because I was at Texas A&M till the middle of the night watching a football game, but I will take a break. Um, but this is, this is really cool because... Um, if you don't know Miss Peggy Taylor, she's a teacher at Mockingbird Elementary. She teaches first grade and she has some incredible students. There's one that's really special, there's one that's probably her favorite. Um, and she might be my daughter, I don't know. But uh, we won't go there. But uh, I've gotten to know Miss Peggy through that just a little bit. And um, I heard about this story uh, this week. And I, wanted, I asked her if she would come and just share this story with, with, with you and with us. Because it's a really cool story of what Riverside's doing around the world. But it, it also affects um, what we're doing right here in our community. And so I'm just going to prompt you with a couple of questions. But you, you tell the story because you know the story. Um, you found out about something we were doing in Honduras. Tell us about that.
1: First off, this is not like a first grade class. <laughs> There's a lot of you out there. Um, it all started with this. Smart. A simple handmade basket. Hmm. My friend Lisa came back from Honduras and shared with our prayer group um, what was going on in Honduras and how the school there was needing some money for some instruments for a music program. So um, they were doing a virtual lemonade stand, and so several of us in the, in the group bid on items, and, and um, I bid on a basket, and I won. And it was the uh, beginning of a pretty amazing, pretty amazing journey.
0: And that basket was made by a very special boy, right? Yes. Tell us about that.
1: It was made by a little boy named Hector. And um, it's a real interesting basket, and I brought it to school uh, when, uh, at the beginning of the year because our art teacher at school has a, a passion for kids' art, and I thought she would really appreciate this basket that's made out of newspapers that was made by a, a child in Honduras. And I had the basket on my reading table as my kids were coming in, and they were, you know, what's this? And they were, I said, oh, it's a basket, and... Um, they were had lots of questions, and I said, well, it was made by a little boy in Honduras, and he goes to school there. He is. Uh, um, I didn't know much about him, and so I called Lisa, and I said, oh, Lisa, help. <laughs> and so Lisa came up t- to my class, and she shared some stories about um, Hector and how, uh, what Hector's life is like and what an opportunity it is for him to be at this school and how his life is... is Although he's a student just like they are, his life is a little different, and he, his, his opportunities are a little bit different. Um, it, didn't, it wasn't a couple of weeks later that um, I had cafeteria duty, and I had some kids in the cafeteria, and they were uh, not particularly caring for lunch that day. And they had taken lunch, as many kids do, and they kind of mix it all up, and they make this little sloshy stuff in the middle, and they're laughing and having a good time. And, um, we had a conversation about Hector, and I said, you know, um, one of the really neat things about Hector's school is that he gets two hot meals a day. Mm. And basically it's the same thing every day, rice and beans, but what you just threw together today and, and sloshed together and then threw out would have been a real treat for Hector. He would have, he would have really thought that was a, just an incredible meal and you just kind of threw it away. And, um. I don't know. It just was one of those times where, you know, you've heard the starving kids in small countries, that whole lecture thing kind of had a face to it now. And my kids didn't do that again.
0: Wow. So they, they started to kind of have this, this idea of a kid named Hector in Honduras, kind of like them but different. And then they learned about a need that he had, right?
1: Yes. Tell us about that. Okay. Well, um, it was about the time for the, the uh, auction last year. And uh, Laura was in the country, Laura Waite, who's the, the principal of the school there. And I got to visit with her, and I had more questions about Hector. And I said, you know, is there something that, that we can do? Is there something that, that he needs that, I can, that we can send back with you? And she said, oh, I'm going to be looking for a pair of shoes for him. And I said, oh, I said, you know, let me take that off your plate, and I'll get it to you before you, you go back. And she said, okay. So I went to school on Monday. And shared with my learners that I had gotten to meet Hector's principal. And they went, you went to Honduras this weekend? <laughs> and it's like, no, no, no. Um, she was in town. She was in Texas. And I got to visit with her. And he is needing a pair of shoes. Well, that just lit up my kids because we have been in, in our classroom, had just started something. It's a, it's a PBL, for those of you in, in Capel, know that that's a project-based learning uh, opportunity. And we, in first grade, have a PBL we do around Christmas where we, uh, we earn money to buy shoes to donate to Buckner International for, for children around the world. So my kids were like, oh, oh we've got shoes. We've, you know, we've got plenty of shoes. Let's send him a pair. So we were able to get Hector just the right pair of shoes, and we had a little box and a card, and the kids had a great time, you know making notes and stuffing the shoes full of notes and, and just socks and just a lot of well wishes. So we were able to send down there Hector a, a nice a nice box with a new pair of shoes to start a school year.
0: I think that's really amazing that that happened. But what I think is even more cool is what happened next. Because then you guys got to not just send him things, but you got to Skype with Hector. Is that right? Yes,
1: we got to Skype with Hector. It really was quite, um, it was a lot of fun. Lisa was just so, so instrumental in a lot of this. Wow. But they have a generator, and they have electricity on Fridays. And so on one Friday, wow. we got together, and they have a laptop that that works, and we connected, and, you know, here we are in Capel with all this technology, and I've got a little camera set up in my room, and everything's all set up. And, you know, this whole eighth grade class is huddled around this little laptop. And we did that a half a, you know, I don't know, half a dozen times last year. I, I don't remember, but um, I would... I would um, contact Laura before we do any of these Skyping sessions and I would, we would set up the questions that we were going to say so that the kids, you know, we had an idea what they were going to ask. And so in April, kind of, you know, one of my little girls sort of went off script. It was her, she was the last person to talk and she says, well, what is something, is there anything that you all need there at school? Is there something that we can send you? Okay. I thought that was a nice question and so as it's being translated, I remember hearing the awes in the classroom in the background. And, you know, La Paz, La Paz, and I guess, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but it's pencils. Mm-hmm. They were needing pen. and Laura said, you know, we really can use pencils. Well, my little girl just assured them that we would send them all the pencils that they needed, and we, you know, went on from there. So what was really great about this was this was... Such an authentic, genuine situation. They said, when this was all over, oh, Miss Taylor, this is another PBL. The driving question is, how can boys and girls in our first grade classroom get pencils to boys and girls in Honduras? Mm. And how are we, you know, we, we, the things that we know. Okay, we know they need pencils. And what do we need to know? Well, how are we going to get them there? And. All of a sudden, kids were going, oh, I've got pencils in my cubby. I've got six brand-new pencils that I've not used this year. And Mm -hmm. kids are grabbing things together. Let's get these in an envelope, and let's get this going, and let's get them mailed right away. And then somebody else started saying, no, 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 we need... To, to have a little time, let's let's do some chores like we did at Christmas time when we were earning money for our shoes. Let's let's do some chores and earn some money to buy some more pencils. And then someone said, oh, they're going to need pencil sharpeners. And, oh, Ms. Taylor, you've got five pencil sharpeners in your room. Can we send them some here? And I said, absolutely, I'll send them all. I said, but they only have electricity on Fridays. And so if they break a pencil on Tuesday, it's going to be, you know, it's not going to work. So... <laughs> when another learner said, "Oh my goodness, our building is 25 years old," which prompts this: we have the old-fashioned crank mm-hmm. pencil sharpeners, and oh, my teacher has one of those antique sharpeners in their classroom. <laughs> and she never uses it. Let's go get those. And so, you know, all of a sudden they're they're spying all the pencil sharpeners all over the building. Wow. Let's get that one. Let's get that one. So it's really it was it was great. It was <clears throat> it was great. And that just again for me was just all of a sudden that. Mm-hmm. that was that authentic experience where these kids, it, they, had, they had this passion inside to get something done. They, it was initiated by them. It was driven by them. And so by the end of the year, we had collected several. Oh, we had a whole stack of pencils, mm-hmm. and and they brought socks and markers and all sorts of things that we were able to send down to them. Um, it was just nice to know that I think they felt good that they were making a difference mm-hmm. in someone's in someone's life there. So that was...
0: Wow. So what I love about this story is that, um, like DJ said earlier, God is already at work. And this is just a, a moment you seize to join him in what he was already doing. But what has God taught you through this whole experience?
1: Well, I've always looked at m- teaching as a mission field. Mm-hmm. No matter, you know, whether it's in an inner city or whether it's here in Capel, there are needs, you know, God's needs are everywhere. And God is at work in in us, and he is, you know, using us to to reach out to other people. Um, For me, it's just my lesson is to be just aware of opportunities that Mm. are just right there. Because this basket was just something I was showing to an art teacher. And it became this powerful lesson Mm. in our classroom. And I'm just forever, I'm, I'm kind of changed, I'm very much changed by it. Mm-hmm. And so it makes me think about things a little bit different. Yeah. You know?
0: Can we just pause and say a prayer for Hector and for, uh, for Mockingbird and for Honduras and all that stuff? Let's, let's pray. God, as we've said so many times, you're so good and your love endures forever. And uh, in this moment, God, we just want to lift up uh, one little boy specifically, Hector. And we want to thank you for how you're using him uh, to change our lives. And uh, God, I want to pray that today, that um, he would have all that he needs. God, that he would feel the love and the support from his uh, his faith family here at Riverside and that the community that we serve there would know that they are loved and they are cared for. Um, that the students at Mockingbird would um, have an appreciation for, um, for what they are doing and the difference they're making in, in this one life and in the lives of so many others. And God, for us to just push pause in this story and to step back and, take a wide angle view of it and to see your hand just working through the whole deal it just, we just stand in awe in complete awe of you and we say thank you God thank you God uh, so Lord today we, we we praise you and we thank you uh, we ask your blessing your favor over Hector and his family in that community there and we pray in the name above every other name Jesus amen thank you Peggy thank you. can we keep the basket for a minute up here I just think that's amazing that's so cool um wow Uh, I love that story, sorry, because it's a reminder, isn't it? It's a powerful reminder that God is working both here and around the world. And we just got to have our radar up, our antenna up to notice what he's doing and to join him in what he's doing. Um, And when we do, God can have the opportunity to use us in some powerful ways if we would just have our hearts ready to say, let's go. And, and I, know you, I know you're tracking with me. I know you know this. And I know, I know you believe this, that location matters. But I know like, if you're like me, sometimes it's hard. It's, it's hard for whatever reason for us to be on location with God. And sometimes we, you know, we, we're just quick to come up with all the reasons we can't do it, you know. We're busy and life is crazy and the season of life we're in with kids or whatever the reason is or without kids or the the excuses and the reasons change and they're real, but they change and it makes it hard. But I want you to remember this morning and this story and this basket is a powerful reminder that location matters. It matters deeply to the heart of God because it represents the people that are there that need to hear a word from God. And you might even think like I've thought before, you know, it costs a lot of money to go to Honduras. I don't know what it costs. Let's just say it costs a thousand bucks a person to go to Honduras. That's probably right. Same is probably true for the DR, Mexico, wherever you want to go around the world. You take 30 people there, that's $30,000. Have you ever had this thought? What if we just sent that $30,000 to that village? Would that not be better? You ever had that thought, that struggle? Um, and maybe you think, well, you know, what if, you know, what if what we're doing really isn't even helpful? It kind of feels a little awkward, doesn't it when you take a group of wealthy texans to a foreign land and you go door to door to some impoverished people some people in the world would call that poverty tourism and they would say what are you really doing you know isn't that aren't you using them isn't that being a little bit manipulative and you know if that's all we were doing i guess i would agree but what i what i think is really powerful is that is that location matters because people matter and the truth of the matter is, well, I, I love the way that David Platt said this in his book Radical. He was having the same struggle, and he was on a mission trip over to Sudan and met a Sudanese man and and he began to talk with him and, and ask him the same questions about, about this. And it was after that conversation that he realized how much his relationship with this man meant that he said these words. David writes, I was immediately reminded that when God chose to bring salvation to you and me, he didn't send silver. Or gold, cash, or check, he sent himself, the son. He goes on, How will I ever show the gospel to the world if all I send is my money? Was I really so shallow as to think that my money is the answer to the needs of the world? If we're going to accomplish the global purpose of God, it will not be primarily through giving our money, as important as that is. It will happen primarily through giving of ourselves. This is what the gospel represents, it's what the gospel requires. Isn't that true? Giving our money is important, but it's not nearly as important as giving of ourselves. This is what it means to carry the gospel. This is why it's so important that where you carry the name you carry, this is why it matters. Jesus said it this way, and you know this verse by heart. He said, go, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus said, go. He didn't say, go to church and wait for them to come to you, right? And just sit there and put an put a announcement uh, outside on the church sign, come, all are welcome. He didn't say to do that. He said, go. He said, get up and move. And if all that you and I have ever done is gone to church, then we haven't gone anywhere, right? And if all you and I have ever done is is gone to church, then we probably even haven't taken the first step in truly following Jesus, have we? Because Jesus is a Jesus who was always on the move. And to follow him, him means that he's going somewhere. And if we're gonna follow him, we have to get up and go. We've read that verse a thousand times and probably looked at every angle at every other word, but we've skipped over the first one, which is probably the most important, where Jesus says, go, go. Why? Because where you carry, the name you carry matters. Because location matters. Because there are people around the world who have never heard the name Jesus. Because there are little boys like Hector who need to know that there is a God and he loves them. Because people matter. And that's why location matters. And so this morning what I want you to do is I just want to, I want you to ask yourself these questions. Because this is the tension that we have to wrestle with as the people of God. If you've gotten comfortable, I want to invite you, I want to encourage you to step into an uncomfortable zone for a minute and just do a little self-evaluation. And this isn't to guilt you or shame you. It's not to guilt me or to shame me. It's just to say we got to ask the hard questions because location matters. And I know the church at Riverside loves people and loves Jesus. And so we've got to marry those together. And to do that, you have to ask hard questions. And so think about this. Where do you carry the name in the community? personal inventory, be honest with yourself. Where are you carrying the name in your community? Teenagers, do do your friends at school, do they know you carry the name Jesus? Are they aware you're a follower of Jesus? Do they know you belong to a church? Do they know you belong to this church? Moms and dads, the people at your work, are they aware that you're a follower of Jesus? Have they heard you speak his name? Do they see the evidence of you following him in, in your life? Are you that person they go to in crisis because they know that you know someone who is a God of hope and love, peace and comfort? How do we carry the name that we carry? And where do we carry it in our community? It matters. It matters. Where where you carry the name around the world? And you can't skip this one. You don't get a free pass. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations not just all of Coppell or all of Flower Mound or all of Irving or all of Louisville or all the other places around this area. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. Where do you have boots on the ground? Where are you involved in the work of God for the people of God around the world? It matters. You can't skip this question. Where are you personally involved in carrying the name of Jesus to a people who may not even know his name? It matters. Where are you carrying the name of Jesus when it comes to your time? What what percentage of your time do you spend carrying the name of Jesus? Have you thought about it that way? That's kind of a weird way to think about it. What percentage of your time do you think you spend carrying the name of Jesus to different places, to different locations? Where where is your if you were to inventory your time today and see where it goes in the middle of your week, is any of it going? To being on mission with Jesus in some place, in some location for the glory of his name? Where are you carrying the name of Jesus with your money? If you were gonna do that same inventory, not just with your time, but with your checkbook, where 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 is your money going and where is it carrying the name of Jesus around the world? You see, all of this matters because location matters, because people matter. And if we're gonna take the words of Jesus seriously and we're gonna go, then we have to move. We have to move. We can't be content to come here every week and drop a check in the tray. We can't be content to come here every week and hear stories of what others are doing. We can't be content to come here every week and think somebody else has it covered. This is the mission that Jesus has called every follower of his to join him in, and that is to go, to go, and to be a part of making disciples of all nations because people matter, because there are people around the world who need to know, who need to hear, and that's why today matters, Don't think for a second that God isn't fully aware of what's happening in this church today, at this hour, in this moment. He knows, he's here, he's aware, he cares, he's watching. And he's waiting with bated breath to see how the next few minutes unfold because people matter and his name matters. And it matters that we as a community, as a family of faith, that we together come together to do more than any of us could do on our own, to carry the name of Jesus, yes, to Honduras and yes, to the Ukraine and yes, to the dominican and yes to every place that we go and yes to all over this community it matters because people are waiting to hear that you know there's a god and he's not angry and he's not upset but he's a god of hope people need hope and yeah it's people like hector but it's also people next door and they have in their hearts and their lives a question that's burning. It's an unspoken plea. And they may never even ask you, but they're waiting to hear. Do you know? Do you know if there's hope? And if there is hope, does hope have a name? I want you to hear this, but I want you to hear it from a fresh perspective. So if you would, just, just listen and watch this, this video. Let's watch this.
2: When's it gonna happen? Here I am. There you are. Here I am desperate for love, for truth. What are you gonna do when you leave this building? Are you gonna share with me what you've been learning here today? Or are you just gonna bottle it up and pull it out next week for your friends? Now when I say share, I'm not talking about every tactic you've used on me in the past. like. Judging my every move, telling me I'm a bad person, pointing fingers, giving me disgusting looks. (laughs) And my favorite is when you tell me that I'm lost. I don't even know what that means to be lost. Do you really think judging me is going to make me change? Would it make you change? Now, I I know I'm a bad person. I've, I've done bad things. But I don't need you to tell me that. What I need is for you to pick me up when I fall down, to be there when I'm broken. Yes, there's there's something missing in me. There's a void in my heart that I don't know how to fill. You have it. You have that thing that makes you whole. You know that person that I need to know. So I'm watching your every move. I'm watching where you go and what you say and do because I'm desperate for something real. I need something genuine, to know that there's something more here than this. I mean, this, this can't be it, really. And I think you know that. Listen to me. I need you. I need you to be here for me. I need you to walk out right now, ready and willing to do whatever it takes it may not be comfortable it may not be easy but I need you to show me love no matter the cost show me what unconditional love really looks like stop telling me about this God of yours and show me who he really is honestly I'll probably resist you I'll probably argue with you and laugh at you. I'll, you know, even when you fall, I'll probably call you a hypocrite. But don't give up on me. Please don't give up on me. So I'm gonna ask you, when's it gonna happen?
0: People need to know the God that you know. And that's why today matters. People need to know the God that you know. And they need to see and they need to be shown the unconditional love that our Father has shown to you and to me, amen? And if, we have any, if there's anything that matters more than this, I don't know what it is, but for you and I to carry the name so well that we love others with the unconditional love that Christ Jesus and our Father in heaven has loved us with, That has to be the paramount moment. You know, even this week, um, woke up one morning getting ready for school and Will uh, flies in the kitchen, remember this buddy? And he comes around the corner and I'm just getting the coffee and uh, he's like, dad, do you think I can make a difference? And I'm like, what are you talking about? (gasps) Um, Catching me cold here. Do you think I can make a difference? I'm like, what what do you mean? He's like, at my school. I'm like, okay, still, what, what do you mean? From the voice of my nine-year-old child, he says, well, there are are boys and girls in my class that don't know Jesus. They aren't Christians. Do you think I can tell them about them? You know what I said? Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely, you can. If this is the mission of my nine-year-old child, may it be our mission, church, to let the people around us know that there is a God and he has a name, and his name is Hope. Because where you carry, the name you carry matters. In just a moment, in fact, if there are, if there are some people in the room that could help us and would, would pass the trays again, we're gonna have an offering uh, for Harvest Sunday. And so if you guys could help us uh, prepare for that. This moment matters because it's an opportunity for us to give. And it's an, it's an opportunity for us to, to facilitate the caring of this name, both here in this community and around the world. And today I wouldn't pressure you to give anything you haven't planned to give. Whatever God has put on your heart to give, um, just give that. This church, as I've said before, I've, I've learned this in a short time, that you are a generous people. And, and I'm so thankful for the spirit of generosity in this place. You reflect well the heart, the generous heart of your heavenly father. But this moment matters because it's a chance for us to give. And yes, a sacrificial way to give so that the name of God can be carried to the people of the nations for the glory of his name and for the good of the church. And and that's what we do in this moment is we have a chance to give in a way, a significant way to carry this name to locations, specific locations, both here and around the world to make a difference in the lives and the hearts of people who need to know our God. So if you would, um, as the baskets are passed, we're gonna sing and just respond to God in worship. But let's respond with hearts wide open to how God would want us to give, not just of our money, but of ourselves. If all we do is give our money, we haven't given it all. If, if, if the poor are our people to fix and not a people to be known, then we've missed the point. Uh, this morning we come to not just give our money, but to give our lives to the God who gave his life for us. And in that spirit, let's give and let's worship.